In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. So do I have an excellent testimony with those who are not Christians? In other words, do I have a good reputation with the people who I work with? Boss? The umpires? It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. From Men in the Arena, it's Equipping Men in 10. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we We salute salute you. you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to another episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. I'm Jim Ramos, and this is... Dale Culver. (laughs) And we're here to give you our Equipping Men in 10 episode. The title of this episode is The Witness. And before we get in here, I want to say something. I, I was reminded this weekend of something really unknown to me before. We have quite a few women listening to our podcast. So I'm thinking of Judy in Indiana. I'm thinking of Melanie in Southern Oregon. I'm thinking of Carla in Colorado Springs. And, and thank you, first of all, ladies, all the ladies... All the single ladies. All the married ladies. Anyway, all the ladies. We just want to say thank you for listening to this episode and all these episodes. We know that you're listening to understand your man better, understand how you can be a a better wife to him and and pull out the greatness in him, because really, that's what women do. The greatest person in my life, the greatest impact in my life has not been from a coach uh, as an adult here, Not not from a parent not from a podcast. It's really been from Shanna. Shanna is the greatest impact on my life. So you wives, thank you. We want to ask you this question. We're going to do a series kind of for the wives. We want to hear from our wives. We want to hear what do you want us to talk about to equip your man? What does your man need to know? We won't like call you out. We just want to equip your men and what are we missing here? How can we help you? So let us know, gals. And so before we get into that, Dale, hey, give me a man law. All right. So this one is because I uh, overdo it. I think there's a lot that don't do it. And that's find something in your community or your church and get involved. Don't just sit back anymore and just allow stuff to happen or sit there and complain and say, I wish this and that was happening. You step up and make it happen. So that's my challenge. That's good stuff, man. I think that's really important. So you want to draw that out a little more? Oh, I just, you know, recently in my own church, you know, there's a lot of guys that have been going, we don't have anything for men. We don't have anything for men. And basically I've come in and I was asked to be on the board. And I said, as long as I can take the passions that I have for men and what I normally do for a job and translate that into the church of doing stuff. And they said, yes. So I went in there and started 
doing some things and implementing some things, and I'm finding that guys are on fire and they're wanting to do stuff. It's like, guys, just do it. And it's kind of like they just needed permission to say, yes, you can do what you're called to do. See, that's the scary part about some of the churches around is that men, if they don't have permission, they wait to be asked or given permission. I don't think a guy needs to wait. If your pastor won't let you start a men's ministry, go start one in the coffee shop. Go start one in your house. Yeah. If, you, if God has called you to do it, just do it. You don't need the pastor's permission. Why don't you start a men in the arena team? You can come on with us. We'll help you. We'll equip you. We'll give you the. Res- we'll help you with the resources. You don't need a pastor. Well, and when guys don't have a purpose and they're not doing something, their life is just kind of floundering out there. But yeah. once they start getting involved and doing something that's bigger than them, they get activated and they come alive. And I'm seeing guys come alive, and it's exciting. Yeah, and in defense of the church, a lot of times why a church doesn't have a men's ministry is because that poor pastor swamped. Most churches are under 100 in America, and there's just only so much time a pastor can give. So step up, lift up the arms of your pastor, and stop being anonymous. It's it's really kind of simple. So we like to blame the pastor, but a lot of times it's gutless cowards in the church who want to be anonymous, stay in the bleachers. Mm-hmm. And we're saying, get out of the bleachers, get in the game. Yeah, You know, one of it. our arena coaches has a tattoo on his arm and he's, that says men in the arena. And he said, my tattoo has nothing to do with your organization, <laughs> even though it's our brand. He said, it's a reminder to me to get in the arena. And this yeah. guy's in his 70s, and he's just crushing it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like, come on, guys. You can do this thing. So I want to get into the meat of the podcast. Today's podcast episode is called The Witness, and the subtitle is Missionary or Mission Field. You know, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 7, Paul writes, and this is one of the qualities that we assess our masculinity, one of the 20 qualities to assess our best version. And Paul writes, an over- overseer then must have a good reputation, listen to this, Dale, with those outside the church, so he will not fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. So the snare of the devil is for us as men to be locked into our holy huddles, is to be locked into our church setting, and to not have an impact with the world. Now, the flip side of that is, there are a lot of guys out there these days that aren't plugged into a local church. And I would say those guys, you're blowing it. You're not leading your family well. Right. You're not getting it done. We're going to cover the word devout in a couple weeks, which really addresses the guys who are not going to church. But right now, I want to talk to you guys that are church guys. We have to have a good reputation with those outside the church. you know. And I know a lot of guys in our community that have, that have had multiple little mini moral failures living in our community, and they have really hurt the body of Christ. I know we've had situations in our little community where people have had legal problems because of their witness and gone to jail, and it's really hurt the body of Christ and pastors who have fallen. And so now I interact with our community. When they look at me, they see these names and faces before they even look at me. I have to, they have to look through these names and faces of these men who have failed before and go, man, can Ramos be trusted? Because he's one of those Christian guys. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Yeah. You know, Howard Hendricks said this, and this is kind of where I'm getting this thought. He said, in the midst of a world screaming for answers, Christians are stuttering. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I'm, ref- I'm, I'm done stuttering. I, I, I really never stuttered. <laughs> right. I want to make sure that this world knows who I am. You know, I coach football. I have coached football now. I'm the Linfield University chaplain. That They just asked me to do that. Didn't apply for it. I thought, hey, I'll do it. But that's an example of, hey, you've got a witness. We want you to bring that witness to 150 young men on this football team and impact these guys. You know, uh, it's really interesting, speaking of that, in the early 90s, I coached a, a team. In fact, right on the, up on the board here, you can see my alma mater football helmet. 
and there's a football from a CIF championship team, which would be a state championship team in some of you smaller states, but we were in California. And there was a young man who I coached him as a freshman, as a sophomore, then as a senior. He was my nose guard. He was a stocky dude, about 5'8". He was a involved, very involved in a cult. No front teeth. I remember him clear as day. Well, now he's a 44-year-old man. Maybe he's 42. 42. He's, he's one of our national team captains getting ready to launch our system in the fall. It, it's just unbelievable. God, he's an elder in his church. He teaches regularly in his That's church. Awesome. Now, you may be thinking to myself, you're letting a Mormon guy do this? No. Let me tell you the story. I met with him a couple years ago. He came to Christ. like He fell in love with the real Jesus, the Bible Jesus. He's now in a real strong Bible-teaching church. And we sat down and had coffee a couple years ago, and I said, tell me your story, man. And he started telling this story of uh, his parents divorcing, which I could relate to because that's how I kind of came to Christ, and and doing this search about the truth. And at one point he said, I thought about men in my life who were really fired up about what they believed. And he said, every time... So I was his head freshman coach, and then when he's a sophomore, it was a, J, a frost soft team, I was his head coach. And then his senior year, I was his defensive coordinator, and we were 13-0, and 0, and so we had a great team. He said... Every time you would come and open the weight room, you brought your Bible, and you would read that Bible the whole time we lifted weights. And uh, and I remembered that when I was thinking about people who really believed what they said they believed. And that was one of the things, one of the things, there are many things, right? God puts a lot of ingredients together. It was one of the ingredients that led this guy to Christ. And you know, that was in a, that was in a, a secular environment. I was a Christian going into that environment, and, and that environment was able to impact this guy. And so when we look at this passage where Paul says, have a good reputation with those outside the church, really, he's really dealing with these pastors, elders, deacons, and overseer guys, this, this group of men. He's saying, guys, listen, don't, go get, don't get so wrapped up in the workings of the church that you forget those outside the church. Mm-hmm. You know, my wife, Shanna, when, I, when, when she was originally working with me as a volunteer with Youth for Christ and Campus Life, we were not dating. We were not together. We were not attracted to each other. In fact, at one point, she was trying to set me up with her best friend. <laughs> she said this to me. She said, we were in a staff meeting. She goes, you know what I think? And I go, what? And you know, Shanna's fierce. She said, I think you're either a missionary or a mission field. And I went, man, that's a woman worth marrying right there. So I did. You know, and it's really interesting when Paul says to be a witness, to have a good reputation. Good reputation in the Greek is two words. And the, the first word is the word marturian, which is where we get the word martyr, which is where in, the, in Hebrews chapter 11 we see this cloud of witnesses. I call it witness stadium. So witness or marturian, and then kalen, K-A-L-E-N, it means good. So good martyr, good witness. Kenneth Wu says this, is, this literally means a good report or an excellent testimony. So do I have an excellent testimony with those who are not Christians? In other words, do I have a good reputation with the people who I work with? Do I have a good reputation with my boss? Do I have a good reputation with the umpires in my kid's soccer program? Oh, that hurt, didn't it? <laughs> do I have a good reputation with the, my kid's coaches? You know, do you have a good reputation? And so I want to, I want to, stir the pot a little more. You know, N.T. Wright once said, when God wants to take charge of the world, he doesn't send in the tanks. 
he sends in the poor and meek. So what does that mean? What does it mean to be a meek man? What does it mean to be a man who is not coming in and bulldozing things down and, and blowing stuff up, you know, which I'm all about blowing stuff up. But what does that mean? Here's the thing that I think is really important for guys to get. And I know that you're a good job. You do this really well, Dale, because I've witnessed this in your life. Guys, listen, are you a good neighbor? <laughs> the greatest witness that we can have is those people around us, don't you think? Right, yeah. I mean, you know, I hated the show Mr. Rogers when I was growing up, you know. <laughs> Remember that? Did you ever see yeah, that when you were a kid? I absolutely did. What is it? What is the song? Well, how does that song go? Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you be my neighbor? Would you be? Could you be? Would you be my neighbor? You know, uh, Job wrote, I will die in my own house. My days are as numerous as the grains in the sand. And he said this, my roots will reach the water and the dew will lie on night, all night on my branches. And what he's saying, he sunk deep roots in his community and he had a solid reputation among those in his community. And, and I think we need to really look at this concept, Dale, of being a good neighbor. When you, th being a good neighbor slash good witness. When you think of that, what, what are some things that you think a good neighbor should look like or do? Uh, you're you're not um, out late at night cranking the tunes and not caring. Uh, one time I had a fire pit going in the backyard, and the neighbor came over, and they were ticked because smoke was going to the other end of their house and uh, in their window. And I'm like, hey, man, I am so sorry. The next time I saw them, hey, about that, I apologize for that. And I, I've had a neighbor that someone blessed me with a new air compressor. I gave them the old air compressor. They're like, how much do we owe you? I'm like, I got this for free. It's free for you. And they're like, oh, my goodness. But, like, little things like that. That I mean, it costs you nothing just to love your neighbor. Christmas time, make up some goodies, give it to them. You know, they need help with something. You see them struggling, you run over and you help them. Yeah. I, I dug a hole for the neighbor's tree with another teenager of mine. He was an old man. He was trying to put a tree in the ground. I go, let me help you. So, yeah. Yeah, and, it's not hard. And gave him firewood. That hey, how about need. this? Do you know their names? Yeah. So how about this? If you don't know the names of your immediate neighbors, can I just tell you, you're not a good neighbor. Were you just wanting that simple answer? <laughs> no, no, that was really good, man. I just, here's the deal. I know you're a good neighbor. I'm in September. I'm I'm driving five and a half hours away to a church out in the middle of nowhere. I'm speaking at this church men's weekend. Literally. I'm going to go over these twenty qualifications in this new book that we're. This book will be done being written, in by the time they this podcast comes out, but we're not going to release it until June so we can promote it. But I'm going to go give these principles to this church and that guy. He's listening to this podcast right now. He knows who he is. He was an alcoholic and his marriage was a disaster, and he plugged into our ministry. We were neighbors. Next door, literal next door neighbors, and he came to he gave his life to Christ, saved his marriage, got involved. Now he's a leader of men in his community, mm -hmm. and I'm going to drive over there to speak at that event with our other neighbor who I baptized, who is not a Christian, <laughs> and his parents as well. And so I'm not saying I'm Joe Blow, but all I did as a neighbor is I one got to know my neighbors by name, two, if it was a single mom, I mowed their lawn. I don't mow the lawns for homes with a man. That man needs to mow the lawn. And I just was, a, I would give them meat whenever I'd kill an animal. I'd share the meat, right? I'd, you know what I mean? Except for the tenders. I don't share the tenders. <laughs> Maybe it's a, weak, a blind spot, right? But it, I got to know these guys. And here's the other thing I did, Dale, and I know you do this too. I mowed my lawn. <laughs> I kept up a nice yard. I'm going to tell you something. If your house looks like you rent it and you own it, you're not a good neighbor. 
So guys, get to know the neighbors by name. Get to know their story. I have the cell phones of all my neighbors in my in my phone. I have several single widows that live in my neighborhood, and they know they can call me anytime. They know that there is a man close by who will go do stuff to help them. Right. He'll mow stuff, he'll clean stuff, he'll shoot stuff. <laughs> Right. If he needs to. And so this is really important. So I, I have their cell phones. I can tell you their stories. I help them in their yards if they need to. And it's not very difficult. And so I just want to encourage you guys, be a good neighbor to those in your community. And uh, there's so much more I want to say about this, but build a reputation. Jesus calls you the salt of the earth. So why don't you be it? Be a light to your world. Dale, drive us home, brother. Yeah, guys, head on over to our website at meninthearena.org and join our program. We might be uh, at a point where we have a wait list, so get on it now. Until next time, fill the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out. And be a man. You've been listening to the Men in the Arena podcast. If you hunger to be your best version, then join thousands of men from around the world in our Men in the Arena forum on Facebook. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of biblical manhood. Make sure to explore our website at meninthearena.org, sign up for the weekly equipping blast, and take advantage of our many free resources designed to help you become your best version of a man. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Remember, when a man gets it, Everyone wins. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men's from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.